Good afternoon. This is the Hermit at Lock Ear. I blog at jmichaeljoneswriter.com. I'm here on, uh, today is April 27th, 2022, and I'm doing a very important topic. And, and philosophy is probably one of the uh, uh, chief topics, and it's the issue of fate or fatalism or determinism versus free will. And I titled this uh, episode today, Maybe All Things Don't Happen for a Reason. Now, there was a, in the, I, I talk about all my things from a philosophical viewpoint to make the table big enough. Uh, I've mentioned in other podcasts that I spent 30 years of my life in the evangelical movement and have toyed at times back in the 90s with being an atheist or agnostic. Uh, so I understand their viewpoint to some degree, and I also study other religions. So I try to approach this from a variety of uh, angles. Uh, but a lot of my talks you will see end up approaching it from looking at what the evangelical says versus what I think is true in reality. Uh, I subtitled this the philosophical cul-de-sacs of determinism. But I'm going to start with a this broad table of inviting atheists and all and people from all walks of life to start this discussion before I make it more narrow into the Christian perspective. Uh, I was going to say Kate Bauer uh, is a or was, I don't know if she is now, was a professor of in the Divinity School at Duke and wrote a book called uh, All Things Happen for a Reason and Other Lies I Was Told. And she herself uh, was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. She's still alive, I think. I checked today and she was. Uh, but she, in the book, describes how that is a, a lie in the evangelical circles and in uh, society as a whole. Now, it's been three years since I read her book, so I don't remember if she tried to address it philosophically or theologically, um, but just to bring it up as an issue. So, and, and looking at determinism, I want to now define some, some terms so uh, no one gets lost. As I've mentioned also before, that in philosophy, uh, uh, the science of philosophy, the study of philosophy, like any study, uh, you can get lost in terminology, and I don't want anybody to be lost in terminology, but fatalism is the idea that there's this overarching trend that no one can buck, that the world, the universe, maybe your life is going in a certain direction, and there's not much you can do about that on the big scale. But determinism, if you take it seriously on the philosophical level, that that means Virtually, there is no free will, that everything happens as designed by either a personal universe, God, or an impersonal universe through the laws of physics, um, uh, quantum mechanics, uh, even the uh, theories of relativity play a role. So speaking of that, I'm going to talk about the, the atheist viewpoint briefly before I start discussing these Christian viewpoints. So I would say most atheists that I know, and when I was briefly toyed with atheism, uh, you see the universe as a fatalistic um, uh, situation, that the universe came into being, and no one knows in that world how. It's an impersonal beginning. It just happened spontaneously. They think there's probably some laws that we yet don't know that would cause nothing to turn into matter and energy. But the universe came into being, and then because it's locked in to the Newtonian, that's uh, Isaac Newton's, he's the one that discovered the laws, the Newtonian laws, uh, that it cannot stray. 
it's, it's on a course that cannot be changed on the big scale, so a fatalistic course. So uh, the atheist will tell you, or anybody in astrophysics would tell you that the sun's going to explode, and I can't remember when. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like a billion years away or more. Uh, it's a long time away. So that in humankind will go extinct eventually in that model, and there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. So, and I think about, you know, fatalism, looking at Newtonian physics, there is a law written in the cosmos, in the universe, and it's one of the reasons, one of many reasons, I am a theist, I do believe in God, is that this law is written clearly uh, on the Newtonian level. If you get it to, to subatomic particles, you start getting into some quantum uh, mechanic issues, which are somewhat appear to be bizarre, and there you have to go on probabilities rather than factual. But the Newtonian laws are so consistent and so precise that you can land a Mars rover on Mars, and I forgot how many millions of miles away that is. You can land it, it's, it's like shooting a gun and hitting a postage stamp on the moon. Uh, your aim is so precise because you have to know all the forces. You know, if you know all the forces on an object, uh, you know, from north, south, east, west, or whatever axis you want to put it on, and you know the time, you know the mass of the object, you can know exactly where it will end up. And that's the calculation that allows mathematicians on Earth to plan and then to descend a, a Mars rover on Mars that far away. So those laws are written and the universe can't resist those laws. Um, it, it makes some people want to uh, try to think outside the box and become more mystic uh, to get away from the laws, but really, um, you can, you can explain almost everything by the laws of Newton uh, and throw in some quantum mechanics at spots. And of course, the theory of relativity will make sense out of some of these things uh, as well. So that's the atheistic viewpoint. Now, there are atheists that are, so that, that's a fatalistic view. It's the big picture and what you can call the meta, M-E-T-A, the overriding picture. Uh, but on a, on a small scale, day-to-day -day life, uh, what the term that's been used a lot these days uh, for day-to-day life is like the granular level. Another term I like is colloquial. I studied Arabic and had to study uh, classical Arabic, but also colloquial Arabic. That means what they actually speak on the streets, which is quite different from the classic. Um, so on the on the granular level, uh, I don't know of many atheists who are deterministic. There are some. And that's where you say these laws are so precise that uh, they created Earth, they created the conditions for evolution, they, can, can, they created all the steps of evolution, and they, can, they created us the way we are now, and there's no free will. It just happens. Every thought that we have is captive to this, these laws. So I'm going to set atheism aside, and there may be atheists that listen to this and say, wait a minute, I don't agree with that. But anyway, what was the point I was making, determinism does occur in atheism by some, but I think the vast majority do believe in the free will. At least they live like they do. Now I want to get into uh, Christian uh, determinism. Now, I, once again, if you go to the colloquial level, the everyday level speaking on the streets, there's, there's often a... Uh, <laughs> A very difference between uh, what Christians uh, say and what their theology would dictate. Um, you know, say they go to, to a particular church with a particular theology. But so, sort of, sort of pop theology is what I'm talking about. 
So pop theology, you would hear not only from the Christian, I've heard it from Hindus. I had a Hindu friend who would say, all things happen for a reason. But definitely within Christianity, you hear all things happen for a reason. And one time I had a uh, old high school friend who's evangelical like I was, but uh, she was still evangelical, stay with us. And I just happened to mention something about luck. And I was sincere that there was something happened at luck and she was shocked. And she said, luck? You believe in luck? And I know what she meant. Um, she's from a very conservative Presbyterian perspective. And in that perspective, as well as in many parts of Christianity, they believe in not only fatalism, that uh, the big picture uh, is predetermined by God. In that case, it's God. The atheist is, is the laws of physics and math and, and so forth. But the Christian, it's, it's uh, a personal God who, under fatalism, has the whole universe worked out with a plan, but they're also deterministic. And I mean this on a granule level, that nothing happens by accident. There are no uh, uh, situations where there's luck. You go to um, the casino and put your the uh, roulette wheel. You put the ball in the roulette wheel, and uh, there is no uh, option of where that ball is going to land because God is in control so precisely. And they get this from some, there's a few verses in the Bible, and I'm not going to get into uh, Bible verses because um, then you step into religion and it becomes very, very complicated due to all kinds of layers of cultural things. And it's got to do with interpretation. But you know, uh, Jesus said, at least in one, in Matthew's, I think it was, that he's talking about the disciples going out into the world. And, don't, and he said, don't worry about people that can kill your body. Uh, but they can't kill your soul. And he says, sparrows are worth, I forgot, you know, a few pennies, yet uh, God knows what happens to them, and every hair in your head is counted. So Christians pick up on that, and they like to think, they like to imagine a God, and I do use the word imagine on purpose, a God who uh, is so focused on each of us individually not only does he have he or she have the hairs of our head numbered, but knows every breath we take and everything that happens, and not only knows it, designs it. Uh, and you can't get into a spectrum uh, within Christianity. I, I grew up, well, I didn't grow up, but I in college I became part of a Presbyterian group. So we uh, followed uh, what, what's called Calvinistic theology, and I still go to a Presbyterian church. So it's interesting looking back on the big scale, and it applies to little scale, um, I hope I'm not confusing you with those two terms. There's the meta and the gran granular. Let's use those two terms. So the meta, which is fatalism, the big big picture, and the, the granular is the day-to-day -day activity. But on a big scale, uh, they believe, uh, uh, Calvinists, that uh, God creates people, and before they're even born, some are destined to be evil and spend all eternity in hell, and others are destined to be Christians and therefore saved and be part of God's family for all eternity. And there's no way to change that. So it's a little bit perplexing to me that right now the people who I know, now there may be plenty of other people with different perspectives, the people I know who are most critical of 
non-Christian people, I'm talking about, now, please uh, don't understand that I'm not talking about this literally, but they would, they would call it homosexuals as non-Christians. They would call uh, uh, people who get abortions as non-Christians. You know, in, in the culture war, that's what I'm talking about. They're extremely critical um, of those people. And I was on the phone not too long ago with um, uh, an assistant pastor who I could tell his total disgust with homosexuals. But, but he also believes a theology that God has made us before we're born in a certain way, and we cannot change that. And that's what I've heard the gay people saying. They were born the way that they are. And that's consistent with what <laughs> their theology says. But yet in their theology, they're condemning. And so if you look at the, and I'm sure there's theologians who've argued, who debated this and argued with this, but if you look at the big picture, about the area of salvation. How do you condemn anyone uh, if you believe that uh, God is so sovereign, absolute sovereignty, that uh, they have no choice to be who they are? Uh, even if they, and again, it's not my words, they're calling homosexuals evil, but those people would, uh, to choose to be evil. But even say something that's more obvious, a murderer. Uh, they have no choice to be a murderer, but yet the, the Calvinist hate those people and they condemn them. And I do, I mean, for a murderer, I would have a lot of problems with a murderer myself. But, um, and, but even with murder, you have to look at the circumstance and see, not to excuse it, but to see why someone committed murder, uh, that there's some circumstance. It's not a, a deterministic. Um, so this, I'm going to move beyond this big picture, the, the meta picture. And again, it's the same as the, the fatalistic but fatalistic comes from, it has shares the same word with fate, and fate has been a debate in philosophy from the very beginning. The whole Greco-Roman system of 12 plus gods fell apart due to fate. Now you could say Christianity supplanted it, and it did, but it was falling apart because they ran into a huge problem, and this is one of the cul-de-sacs, because their gods were more like Marvel superheroes. And Marvel superheroes do not control the fates. They are subject to the fates. So therefore, the gods created by the Greco-Roman period weren't big enough uh, to control fate, and therefore they fell apart, especially when they faced a Christian god which claimed to be a personal god who created the universe. And at that time, in starting with the Bronze Age and Iron Age and, and then up into the uh, Roman Age, um, steel age, I guess you would call that, uh, that, uh, that God was very small because this was a, uh, a, a earth-centered uh, cosmos. All the stars floated around the earth. Uh, the earth was the center. And, you know, uh, Galileo is one of several that got in big trouble with the church who insisted that as church doctrine, which is one of many, many things that church and Christians uh, fight about that have nothing to do with the Bible, although they'll say it's biblical. So now I want to get into the more practical part. I'm halfway through this, and I have to give a personal story, uh, and I didn't plan this. Uh, I was thinking about doing this talk um, probably about a week ago as what my next talk would be, my next podcast. And yesterday I found out that, uh, I don't know, I've mentioned other podcasts, I have multiple myeloma, a bone marrow cancer that's been in remission, but yesterday I found out that it's relapsed and it's back. 
And matter of fact, right now I'm waiting on a phone call from my oncologist at Seattle Cancer Care Alliance to come up with a new aggressive plan. And I'm, of course, very disappointed by that and discouraged. Now, when I look at my cancer, and I think of Kate Bauer, I don't know if she gets into it, I can't remember. Um, if you are, if you're a, a deterministic person, believe that God controls everything uh, and all, quote, all things work together for the good, and that is, that's taken from a Bible verse, but you have to look at it in context. But the more colloquial term is uh, all things happen for a reason. And I bet if you surveyed Christians, especially in the church, now you survey Christians outside of church, they say different things, but inside the church building, uh, I bet 99% will say it is true, all things, um, all things <laughs> uh, work together for good. Um, but that's a, a deterministic a viewpoint that God is in control of everything that happens. So if I back out my driveway and and run over a, a dog, and that happened once a long time ago, it's not my fault. It's not the car's fault. It's not the dog's fault. God planned it. He planned it to teach me something. But on a bigger scale, uh, my odds of getting this type of cancer, I think I looked it up once, was about 1 in 15,000. So my, you know, just like the uh, uh, roulette wheel, my number came up and I got it. Now, in my old uh, evangelical days, I would say absolutely God did this for a reason. Uh, maybe I would get by and saying that Satan attacked me and gave me cancer, but more often I would say that God did this for a reason to teach me something stupid like patience. Are you kidding me? <laughs> give me cancer to teach me patience? No, I, I give up the cancer, send me to patience night school. I'll do that. I prefer to do it that way. Anyway, uh, so it, it becomes, my point is it becomes very, very practical in everything that we do. And like <laughs> when I saw my results yesterday, I just felt, you know, this really bad luck, this cloud of bad luck come over me. And it is bad luck. So you think, okay, then your God is very, very small. And that's what the evangelicals always argue with me. But it has nothing to do with the size of God um, in this context. It's got to do with God's intention or God's plan. When you say that God must design everything that happens to me, like all things happen for a reason, if you say that's an absolute truth, then now that truth holds God hostage. God then has to obey that law, and that shrinks God down. It doesn't make him bigger. But throughout history, Christians, in order for two things, and I think the, the second thing is the most important, but the first thing is to create a God that's big enough, they made God in control of everything. And yes, I know you can pull some verses like the sparrows, and there's a few other verses, um, and there's a it talks about being predestined or foreknown, and I won't get into the uh, 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 exogenesis of that scripture, uh, but I can tell you that theologians debate what that means in this context. But you then put God in a box and you shrink God down. Now, in my viewpoint, I am a Christian. I do believe in God, but I believe that God is so big. He built a 13, created a 13.7 billion light year universe, and I'm clueless to what he's like. I mean, there's some 
there's some, you know, if you read a Bible, uh, if it, and, and if it's literal, if you read it in a literal way, you can learn some things about God, but you barely know God. He is so big, or she is so big, whatever uh, you feel comfortable with, it doesn't make a difference. Um, so I'm going to give another example to this issue of power, and then I'm going to get to point two in just a minute. I said that was the most, well, I think the most important. Okay, the, the, the Ukrainian war, I won't say call it a Ukrainian war, the Russian aggression war against Ukraine is going on right now. So imagine uh, if America did not help at all, did not help the Ukrainians. Now, on the other extreme, there are people who argue that the U.S. is not doing enough, that we should create a no-flight zone. But just pretend for a minute that America did nothing. So if you were a Ukrainian, most Ukrainians would not think that America is so weak. I mean, some of them might, but most of them wouldn't think America is so weak that it chose not, that it did not get involved with the war. But they would think, and this would be true, that America is more powerful, I think even, I believe it's more than ever, than Russia, that if we did not get involved with this war, it was America's choice. You know, I'm talking about not the people, but the, the government's choice not to get involved in this war. So I don't think God takes it, you know, every circumstance, if you drop something, he either decides if it's going to hit you on the foot or not. I don't think he has puppet strings. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. Uh, I don't have certainty because I know so little about God. And for me to claim to know uh, a lot about God, again, makes me... Uh, pretend I'm much smarter than I really am um, and it puts God in a box and the box that I see that God is in the evangelical world is a tiny little tin box that they put in their back pocket and then God becomes a genie uh, he finds you a parking spot he uh, he makes your hair look good on a windy day I've heard that uh, the answer to prayer God made my hair look good on a windy day uh, he, and when I became a Christian the guy who, uh, in the, the first time, uh, when I was in high school, uh, there was a leader of mine who's a part of a group called the Navigators at the time who told me, and this is one of the reasons uh, I embraced Christianity at the time, it was not a true reason. He said, God builds a hedge around you and your family if, you, if you're faithful to him, and he will protect you, according to this verse I just mentioned in Matthew about the sparrow, and nothing will hurt you. No accidents, no cancer, nothing like that will hurt you uh, if you're faithful to God. Now, therefore, if you get cancer, like I have, uh, or uh, you break your leg or anything else, um, that means you're not faithful to God. We lived in uh, Cairo, Egypt, and we had neighbors who were Coptic Christians. I think I've told this story before somewhere. But uh, they disappeared once, and they were good friends, and for days no one had seen them. And then finally someone ran into their daughter who explained that they had been in a terrible car wreck, but they were in hiding. The mother was in the hospital, but the rest of them were in hiding. And I'm confused. Why? We would bring you food. We'd take care of you. Because people would look down on their faith because God doesn't allow accidents to faithful people. That, or they call it the... the, uh, the uh, the wandering eye or something like that, uh, the evil eye, not the evil eye, but so it, that same mentality penetrates Christianity. I have found, and this goes well beyond the boundaries of Christianity, but in America, and I'm sure it's true in every country, there's a lot of shame that goes with chronic illness. I've never had a chronic illness before. 
but people are ashamed for me and there's no reason to be ashamed. I did nothing wrong to get cancer. I'm really, I didn't. I was in good health and took good care of myself. But every time I mention to a stranger, and I don't talk about it much, that I have cancer, they almost always ask me, how old are you? Did you smoke? And they ask a few more questions. I can see what's going through their mind. What did you do to, to deserve this? Because I don't want to do the same thing and end up like you. So I did nothing wrong. It just, it was a, uh, a, an event that happened. So in my model, and my model as I'm starting to say is not certain, is that God created cosmos. He is fatalistic that he has control over the cosmos in the big way, in ways I can't even begin to understand. Yet, um, bec because he's outside of time, unlike us who are on this continuum of time, he can see the future and the past in, in a way that I can't even, I wouldn't even begin to understand. Uh, so he knows what's gonna happen. I believe that was true, but he doesn't design it. And it's not because he's impotent. It's because in his the way of doing things, he allows things to run its course. God is the author of the Newtonian laws of physics. God is the author of quantum physics. It wasn't a liberal group that made that up. Uh, God is the author of relativity. And it shows us more and more of the, not the mysticism, but the mystery of God and how he works in these very strange ways in the universe. But there's laws, but the laws are not deterministic in my view, that we have free will. And, and sometimes, my dad was a heavy smoker and died from lung cancer. Sometimes our behavior does influence outcomes. All It actually happens more often, I mean, than you think. Um, not, I'm not talking so much about cancer or illness, but like, you know, not doing maintenance on your car, then your car breaks down, just stuff like that. So. Uh, I was going to say the second point I'm finally getting to is why I believe uh, people want to create a God that's deterministic and in, in control of every, every little thing. A is that God, as I said before, to prove that God is big, which is, is the opposite uh, when you put God in a box. But B is because I have found that, and I think all religions are true, but cr true about fit. <laughs> Take that out of context. I believe all religions have the same idea, and that is they're very narcissistic. They're very person-centered. Uh, so I say, okay, God created the universe just for me. Uh, God takes care. He puts, throws down rose petals in front of me where I walk just for me. I'm so special. Um, and we get this uh, narcissistic, narcissistic view like you have as a two-year-old that the whole universe was made just for your good pleasure, which is not true. I think, and I, you know, I don't see God as winding up the universe like a clock, although in some ways it's that like that with his laws. And I don't know, I don't know his purpose of sitting back and watching these things play out. But uh, I don't believe that it's a deterministic view. So it, the answer, Kate Baller, 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 uh, B-O-W-L-E-R, question, um, is that she said all things happen for a reason and other lies as told. Yes, that is a lie. And I tried to explain in a convoluted way why philosophically that doesn't make sense that all things happen for a reason. A lot of crap uh, happens for no reason. I used to have a bumper sticker right after I left evangelicalism and, and that was a very hard experience. Um, no, it wasn't shit happens. It was... Um, 
oh, life is only a temporary, uh, don't worry, life is only a temporary situation. But the idea that shit happens is a very deep theological idea. Uh, the Christianity uh, is unique among religions. Well, Islam is this way a little bit. I don't know um, Judaism that well. Um, I know some about Hinduism, Buddhism, but well, I won't get into all that. But to say that we live in a broken world and when bad things happen to good people, it's only the symptom of a broken world. And that's it. So I don't have cancer because God planned us to have cancer and, and God may or may not heal me. I want him to. I want to live. I don't want to suffer. But I may end up suffering. Job suffered. I can't uh, say I'm so special like my friend who uh, was involved with me become a Christian tried to say that we're so special that, um, that we're not subject to bad things. So I hope this makes sense. I may do a part two. I, I, I listened to my uh, Descartian Odyssey and there's a lot of things I left out of that. And I don't know um, who's listening to these things if people have an interest in the philosophical side um, or not. Um, but anyway, thanks. Uh, I'll be back again. Uh, I'm going to meet with my doctor now and decide where I'm going with my cancer. You have a good day.